Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that's joining me, Daniel Sun. Yo, what's up? Now, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that no AI programs were used or harmed in the creation of this episode. The research for this show and all of its works were created solely by humans. So if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only 16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 158 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of extra hours for your listening pleasure. Now, to see this full list of Patreon episodes, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there you will see the entire list of past Patreon-exclusive episodes that we have published. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode over David Huggins and Aliens, which is about a man who started having encounters with aliens, and throughout his life, it progressed more into a relationship. A sexual relationship. Ooh. So you get access to that episode, as well as all of the others, for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or on Spotify, and that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is about the Westall 1966 UFO incident. Now, how this episode will go today is that we're going to talk about the incident itself, and then we're going to go into strange facts and findings, theories, and of course, wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. On the morning of April 6, 1966, an odd saucer-shaped craft flew past a local high school and descended into a nearby field. Over 200 students and teachers at the local school reported seeing this unidentified object. Local police and military were then notified and arrived on the scene. This incident would make headlines on news outlets all across Australia and eventually around the world. Even though hundreds of witnesses saw the craft, no official explanation was ever given. And to this day, the strange object remains a mystery. This is the 1966 Westall UFO incident. So to start this entire topic off, We're going to go down a timeline of what happened that morning on April 6th so that we can fully understand this story. So, Dan, 
Can you start that timeline off for us? So this entire incident starts off on the morning of April 6, 1966, in Melbourne, Australia. There in Melbourne, there is a local high school called Westall. At around 11 a.m. that morning, students and teachers were outside finishing up their little sporting event on the main oval. And just a little FYI, uh, so in Australia, an oval is a sports ground that is designed for cricket and Australian football. So pretty much it's the same thing as a regular rectangular sports field, you know, where you play like soccer and stuff, except it's in the shape of an oval. So there you go. Just wanted to clear things up. All right. So like I previously said, some students and teachers were outside finishing up their little sporting event on the oval when all of a sudden an object appeared above them. This object was described as being a gray saucer-shaped craft about the size of two cars put together. Also, this object supposedly had a purple hue around it. Shortly after the object was spotted, chaos and panic ensued. All of the students started running around screaming, Oh my God, what is that? And around 11.15 a.m., the object descended rapidly towards a nearby field. Now, as this object descended, it disappeared behind a line of nearby trees near the Westall High School. At around this time, science teacher Andrew Greenwood stated that a child ran into his classroom and was hysterically screaming and talking about the flying saucer outside. Now, Andrew didn't believe the child, so he sort of brushed it off, but the child kept insisting that there was an object in the sky. So Andrew Greenwood was like, All right, Johnny. I'll go outside and see for myself if you're really telling the truth. Now, it wasn't only Andrew Greenwood that had decided to run out of the school to have a look for himself. Several hundred other students had done the same. Hundreds of children ran out of their classrooms to go outside and see this unidentified flying object that was just above the school. Just imagine bunch of kids running out of school most of them probably just ran home <laughs> i would have i would have been like screw this i'm out all right so just a side note but remember how i said earlier that it had like a the ufo had like a purple hue to it yeah well mr greenwood here aka the science teacher he described it as being a silvery green disc so just keep that in mind you know something we thought we should mention but anyway back to the story all right so let's fast forward to 11:20 a.m now at this time Several hundred students and teachers witnessed the UFO landing in a nearby field. Now, instead of running away from that area, which I would assume a lot of people would do, the students and teachers instead decided to run towards, <laughs> towards it, towards the UFO. And they actually jumped over a fence to get to the damn thing. As the children and teachers got closer to the UFO, they noticed that one of the girls that had ran ahead of them made it to the UFO first. She was lying on the ground underneath the UFO unconscious. No one wanted to get closer to it in fear of something happening to them. After 10 minutes of just standing there like a bunch of weirdos and staring at this UFO, the UFO decided to rise up and took off at what everyone said was incredible speeds. Now something else to add to this, there were witness reports stating that they had seen the UFO take off and five other objects were seen chasing after it, which many believed those five other objects were actually military planes. Now, these planes were flying very low. 
so many of the students and teachers knew that they were chasing after the UFO. The high school is only four kilometers away from the nearest airport, so they're used to planes flying overhead, but not as low as these military planes were. All right, moving on. So after the UFO had left the area, an ambulance was called for the unconscious girl, and she was taken away. Now, some witnesses said that after the girl was taken away that they never saw her at the school again, but that's, I mean, that's not really verified. That's just kind of like, you know, some rumors. So this entire UFO incident lasted around 20 minutes, and then all the teachers told the kids, hey, get your asses back to school. You're not going home just because a UFO came around. So they all went back to school. Now, this is where things start to get suspicious surrounding this whole incident. The police, of course, show up and start investigating it. They talk to a few of the adult witnesses and then the headmaster of the school. Right after that, the headmaster of the school called an unscheduled assembly with all the teachers and students so that they could talk about what just transpired outside of the school. The students were told by the headmaster that what they had saw was not an extraterrestrial craft but something man-made, such as a weather balloon. Then he specifically told them not to repeat what they thought they had seen that day to anyone. Like, hey, you did not think you saw a UFO, okay? What you saw was a balloon, all right? So shut your asses up. Also, as this assembly was going on, teachers reported that they were being talked to by two men dressed in dark blue suits. The teachers discussed what they had seen, but just like the children, were told not to discuss what they had seen that day to anyone, especially the press. Now, while this was occurring, one of the teachers decided to grab her camera and started to snap photographs of everything that was going on. The two men in dark blue suits confiscated her camera and told her that it now belonged to them. The ASIO, Australian Security Intelligence Organization. Now, something else that happened during the incident was that someone actually decided to call the local news media and tell them what had happened. So I guess they got to the phone before they were told not to talk to the press. Or they just said, screw it, and talk to the press anyway. That's probably it. So of course, later that afternoon, journalists arrived to try and record an interview with some of the witnesses. Many of the students and teachers were uncooperative because of what they were ordered to do, and that was not to speak to anybody. Yeah. Regardless, though, the local media still decided to cover the story in their paper. And we actually have a few of those newspaper clippings. We'll post them on our website for anyone that wants to take a look at them. Just go to theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on today's episode, and the newspaper clippings will be right there for you to take a look at. There's, what, three of them we have? Yep, there are three. So the first one is titled Flying Saucer Mystery, School Silent. What was it? So, of course, school silent, they weren't allowed to talk about it. Then the next one is about who were the five pilots flying the five planes. That were chasing the UFO, supposedly. Yep. And then the third one is what happened to those five pilots, because no one really knew who they were, and there was no really report on it either. So it's like they just disappeared, or they had to sound like an NDA or something. Yeah. So as local media outlets began looking into the story, they started investigating eyewitness accounts of airplanes chasing after the UFO. They decided to pull air flight records on that day and learned that there were no records of commercial or military planes in the area, but somehow 
over 100 people had seen those planes chasing the UFO. Another thing that was discovered during the investigation is that the military personnel were seen at the scene where the UFO had landed and left. What they discovered was a circular patch in the ground and were also seen taking measurements of that patch. During that week of the incident, it was the talk of the town. So GTV in Melbourne ran a special report on it, which included many different witness accounts. Years later, UFO investigators tried to get the original report recording from this Channel 9 station. However, Channel 9 stated that they no longer had it. It was permanently removed from their archives, even though their station keeps all of their old stories for references, and that story was the only one missing. Now, in regards to the area where the UFO made landfall at, it is now privately owned and no one is allowed to step foot on land. However, on public land near that area, the town did build a commemorative playground. It was opened in 2016 to mark the 50th anniversary of the sighting. Now, the playground itself was designed to reflect the UFO sightings and includes a number of things that were inspired by it. They have a flying saucer-shaped climbing frame and a quote-unquote landing pad for visitors to imagine where the UFO may have landed. It also features educational plaques that provide details about the incident and its historical significance. And we actually have a picture of the playground and of one of the plaques, and of course we'll have that on our website. And I do have to say that playground is pretty friggin' awesome. Dude, I wish we had a playground like that around us. It's a big old UFO with tubes coming out of it that you can slide down and stuff. So that slide on the left, so I guess you have to climb up and then slide down? I'm guessing there might be like two layers. The upper layer and the lower layer for the UFO. Ah. Yeah. Anyways, so that right there is the story of the 1966 Westall UFO incident. However, just like every week, the story does not stop here. Because we did some digging into it, and now we're going to go over some strange facts and findings that we have uncovered. So Dan, why don't you tell us about the first one? So our first strange fact I'm finding is about the other encounters that happened in Australia days before the Westall incident. So the first incident that we're going to talk about happened on April 2nd, 1966, four days before the Westall incident. So on April 2nd, 1966, in Melbourne, Australia, a young engineer was standing in his mother's garden when he looked up and saw a weird-shaped object in the sky. He took out his Polaroid camera and snapped a picture of this supposed UFO. The photo was turned over to Peter Norris, president of the Commonwealth Aerial Phenomena Investigation Organization. The object in the photograph is seen hovering over a house. The object is apparently made of highly polished metal and is similar, or identical, to objects seen all over the world. Which we have a picture of. Yep. And um, I know you provided another picture, Dan, of it compared to the, what is it, the Tic Tac UFO? I think it was the Tic Tac. The gimbal or whatever? Yeah, the gimbal. And they do look very similar. How uh, Bob Lazar states that the UFOs don't fly horizontally, they go vertically and then fly. Yeah. This is how that object looks in this photograph. It's basically just a silver craft, not horizontal but vertically flying. Looks like a nipple or a boob. You know what someone uh, said about this photo? They said that this wasn't an actual UFO. 
it was someone using household items, aka a bunt cake pan, and had it hanging up in the air. Hanging in the air off of what? What's above that? Clouds? I have no idea. But yeah, they were saying it was a bunt cake pan. I'm like, mm. uh, I, don't, I don't see that. Anyways, so that is the first UFO encounter. The next one that we're going to talk about occurred on April 3rd, 1966, three days before the Westall UFO incident. So on this day, a Department of Civil Aviation employee was looking over his radar and observed an odd object that he nor his companions could explain. The following day on April 4th, 1966, only two days before the Westall UFO incident, on this day, an individual named Ronald Sullivan was driving on a long straight stretch of road nine miles east of Victoria during the night of April 4th. As Ronald was driving, his headlight beams suddenly bent part of the way along their length towards the right, as if they had been solid but malleable pieces of pipe. Ronald freaked out and slammed on his brakes. All of a sudden, colored lights started coming from a field by the road he was driving on. Ronald got out of his car and started watching the lights. He noticed that an object began to rise up from the field and then suddenly vanished. Before reporting this incident to the police, Ronald had his headlights checked by some mechanics and they stated that they were in perfect condition. So Ronald decided to tell the police what had happened and they started investigating it. The police went to the site and found a circular depression about five feet across and five inches deep. Of course, we know that two days later is when the Westall encounter happened, and a lot of people point to these incidents that occurred a few days prior as proof that something strange was occurring in the area. Which, eh, that picture of one is pretty weird. Other than like the outside of it, I don't know if it was the same exact one. I think it was described differently. I don't know. But the things that I find more weird than this is the people that are trying to actively cover it up. Because there's individuals who are trying to cover this up that I find odd. But before we get into that conversation, let's discuss our next strange fact and finding. All right. So our next strange fact and finding is about an individual who witnessed a UFO at Westall. A young boy named Sean Matthews, who is not a student at Westall, but was on holiday break and spending time on his family's land that they leased out for horses. Now, this land was the area where the Westall UFO landed, and Sean happened to be there on that day. He was interviewed about what he had witnessed and said, and we quote, Now, before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. All right, welcome back. He was interviewed about what he had witnessed and said, and we quote, I saw the thing come across the horizon and drop down behind the pine trees. I couldn't tell you what it was. It certainly wasn't a light aircraft or anything of the like. The object went up and off very, very rapidly. It was about the size of two family cars, and 
I was around four football fields away from it. It was silvery, but had sort of a purple hue to it. It was very bright, but not bright enough that you couldn't look at it. I went over to where it had landed and took off, and there was a circle in the clearing. The land looked like it had been cooked or boiled, not burnt. A heap of kids from Westall Primary and high school came charging through to see what had happened. And that right there was the quote from Sean on what he had seen. Does that mean he didn't see the young girl passed out? Like everyone else said? He never mentioned that at all. See, that's kind of weird. That is. Because I know in some interviews they talk about a girl that was taken away and they never saw her again at school. Yeah. All right, so let's go on to our next strange fact and finding, which is about the science teacher Andrew Greenwood. So Andrew taught science to the freshman students at that high school there. Now, in an article published by Daily Mail in May of 2021, Andrew Greenwood came forward talking about how the government threatened him during the weeks after the UFO incident to sort of like keep him silent. He talked about how 40 minutes after the UFO incident occurred, the military and their trucks poured into the area and formed sort of a security barrier around the reserve. Andrew Greenwood and the others, which I assume he meant kids, were able to sneak in knowing the area better than the military and still see what was going on. He states, and I quote, We saw a circular area, like the trampled grass, and there were guards around it, and there were people in there with equipment. He spoke about this to the local news station, but then got scared about speaking of it two weeks afterwards. Supposedly, two men claiming to be government officials showed up at his front door. One was dressed in plain clothes, and the other was in uniform of a senior Air Force officer. The men told Greenwood that he had been mistaken in what he had seen. Greenwood goes on to state, I was threatened. I was told that I should not say anything about it. When I tried to explain to them that they weren't there, I was, and I knew what I saw. Well, the first suggestion was that you'd be ill-advised to go on saying that because clearly you were drunk on duty and will have to be reported to the education department, and of course, you will lose your job. Andrew Greenwood then goes on to talk about a year after the incident, he was interviewed by an American physicist, Dr. James E. McDonald, who is known for his studies in UFOs. Dr. McDonald said that by the instruction of the office of the then President of the United States, Lyndon B. Johnson, that the president had authorized the establishment of a board of inquiry or an inquiry to inquire into issues of unidentified flying objects and that they were sending out someone. Which makes him, Andrew Greenwood, believe that the Australian government covered up the incident and refused to tell anyone what really happened. All right, so let's get on to our next strange fact and finding, which is a story that was in the Clayton calendar that was made by the students. So inside of this calendar, there's an eyewitness account by a young boy that goes by the initials A-G-W. This story goes, I was in class when a disturbance occurred outside. I didn't take any notice, and when the bell went for morning, my classmates and I went to our lockers and then walked out into the yard. We noticed that all the girls who were doing physical education were gathered right down near the end of our playing field. Suddenly, the school came alive with excitement, and everybody began running towards where the girls were. I was among the surging mob. I had seen something that looked very unusual in the sky. As I looked up, I saw a dazzling silver object 
flying around some pine trees about a quarter of a mile directly behind the school. It then flew across some open paddocks also behind the school and returned to the pines. As the thing was out of sight, I began to notice many private aircrafts, mainly Cessnas, flying towards the pines. It was then the thing reappeared and rose to the level of approaching aircraft. This enabled me to get a rough idea of its size. It was a silvery object as long as one of the Cessnas, but very thin. As the aircraft approached, the thing tilted on about a 45 degree angle and started to move into the distance, gradually gaining height. The planes increased their speed and began to follow it, but the object streaked away leaving the planes far, far behind. The planes turned back, but we all stood hoping it would return, but it didn't. So we all went into the school, 15 minutes late. After school, two friends and I went to the field where the object had descended. We found ourselves standing in a spot where the grass had been utterly crushed against the earth. It was an area of about 25 to 30 feet in diameter. Cows could not have done it because the fence was barbed, and also cows would have left a track through the grass. There was no track. The object had descended over the field. Could it have done this? It all leads back to the same question. What was the object? Some people say it was a weather balloon. But do weather balloons go up and down quickly? Crush grass and fly across the skies faster than reasonably speedy aircraft? Otherwise, your guess is as good as mine. And that was one of the write-ups that the children who had witnessed the craft stated. It was a pretty good write-up. Yeah, I agree. But on their question about what the object was, I guess that's a good transition to our theories section and talk about what this object could have been. Now, before we get into that, we are going to take a quick break. It's our last one, so don't go nowhere. All right, welcome back. So let's go with our first theory which is called extraterrestrial spacecraft. So this theory states that many people believe that the Westall UFO was an actual spacecraft from an advanced extraterrestrial civilization. The way the craft acted and maneuvered showed that it had intelligence, and when the planes got near it, it sort of acted like it was playing a cat and mouse game with them, and then it took off. So the strange behavior of the object shown, with multiple witnesses and the lack of any other explanation for the sightings, so they say, would be what makes this a solid theory, in my opinion. Yeah, it is very strange. It is, and what makes it strange is everyone wanting the people who saw it, well I say everyone, but mainly the military people wanting them to, uh, want the children and adults who saw it to be quiet about it makes me think it might be this next theory. Yes. So this next theory is called secret military craft. This theory is based on the speculation that the UFO was a secret experimental aircraft or drone developed by the Australian military or other government agency. With the military coming in that same day and closing off the area for testing, were they looking at the results of the craft when it landed there and then took off again? I mean, yeah, that's possible. Other than that, there's not much evidence to really support it other than keeping everyone quiet. And I mean, they showed up what Greenwood said 40 minutes after at most. So, yeah, they were there pretty quick. Yeah, the only rebuttal to it would be why would they test this near a school and during daytime hours? Yeah, maybe they wanted to see how civilians would act. 
especially kids, since a lot of people don't believe kids these days when they see something. True. Like in our Patreon episode. All right, so let's go on to the next theory, which, in my opinion, is my favorite. So our next theory is that the object that was seen by the teachers and students was, in fact, a balloon. Now, as crazy as this seems, stick with us here, okay? So there is a remote place in western South Australia that is around 1,300 square miles. This place is called Maralinga, and in the mid-1950s, it was a popular place for British nuclear tests. Now, due to these past nuclear tests, the government regularly tests the area for any residual radiation. Well, there's a theory that what the school children and teachers saw on that day in 1966 was not a UFO, but in fact a runaway balloon from the HIBAL, H-I-B-A-L, a.k.a. High Altitude Balloon Project, that is used to monitor radiation levels. Now, these H-I-B-A-L, HIBAL balloons, have a white-silver appearance and feature a parachute as well as a gas tube on the top of them. Also, to add to this, there are documents in the National Archives and Department of Supply that indicate a test HIBAL balloon was launched from Mildura near the time frame, and it might have blown off course and came down in a paddock near the Westall High School. And I mean, this seems to be the most popular explanation when people talk about this UFO incident, that's like, hey, it was just a balloon. Much as I don't want to believe it, I mean, all the facts are there. Mm. It's a hard one to dismiss. I would say that, you know, maybe, just maybe, some documents were forged. Now, let's say that this, uh, the April 2nd, 1966 incident, that one that looked like a bunt cake pan, someone said. Yes, that one. That does not look like no hot air balloon. Not at all. That looks like a silver metal nipple. Yeah, so I'm not going to say that's exactly what the kids and teachers saw, but they described it as, you know, being silvery and having like a purple hue to it. And the fact that the area that it landed, I hate to say it, it kind of debunks what I'm trying to say. It looks like a crop circle. And I know how much you love crop circles. I hate crop circles. But do you see a hot air balloon actually making a circular patch like that where like it actually is all laid down in a circular pattern depending on the mass of the balloon and it coming down at a certain rate of speed i mean the probability of it making a circular indentation i mean it's there i mean it would probably push the grass and such downwards crushing some of them and all that but these were all laid down like they were Something was going down in a circular motion, pushing it down. Didn't they mention something about it seeming like the uh, grass or whatever that was laid down looked like it was cooked and boiled rather than, you know, burnt? Yeah. Okay. Now, a hot air balloon, I mean, it's not a hot air balloon. It's a weather balloon. But the bottom of it, I don't think, would be producing that much heat. But then again, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. At this point, we're speculating. I I don't know because I'm not a weather balloon expert. If you are a loved one or a weather balloon expert, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Yes. Besides that, Dan, why don't you tell us about this next theory? Oh, this is everyone's absolute favorite. This theory is called mass hysteria. 
In this theory, some psychologists and researchers suggest that the Westall UFO incident was a case of mass hysteria. As one person talked about their experience of seeing this UFO and what they perceived it to be, the UFO, it influenced someone else's perception of what occurred and so forth. Like the kid running in all hysterically, there's a UFO outside, you gotta come out and see it. So he goes in there, he starts that, everyone starts freaking out like, is there really a UFO? Is there aliens outside? There's been sightings of it recently. It could be true. Let's all go out there and check. You are right. It's, it was in the news about the other sightings that had been occurring there in Australia. So maybe. So everyone's like getting all worked up and we got to go out there and see it. One teacher supposedly grabbed her camera, was snapping pictures of everyone freaking out and got a picture of the UFO. And then the two men in dark blue suits confiscate her camera. So she wasn't able to have any of the pictures. So it's like everyone was ready and wanting to see a UFO. They wanted to see something. They get out there. I guarantee some of them didn't even actually see it. And then the ones that did think they see something, they only went along with what the others said they saw. What do you think these children and teachers saw that day? Do you think it was a weather balloon? Do you think it was a mass hysteria? What do you personally think? Military aircraft. Experimental. Do you believe it landed? I believe it tried to land. I don't think it actually touched down, but it got close enough to the ground to where it disturbed the grass, made a patch, and heated it. Because if it landed, it probably would have actually burnt it. I'm going to have to agree with you. As much as I want to go with the weather balloon, I think the weather balloon was a great cover story for the government to state, hey, yeah, we do, you know, these high-altitude weather balloon tests all the time. And they forged some documents to pretty much back up this weather balloon theory. And in reality, what the individuals saw that day was a experimental craft that the government had been creating since World War II, and they were trying to perfect it. And they screwed up. They ended up trying to land the craft, but couldn't. So they were like, hey, there's too many kids around here. We're not going to land right. We need to find somewhere else. So boom, they take back off. And then that's when they send out the fighter jets to go follow this craft to track where it lands at. Yeah, because you think about it. In an emergency landing situation, you want to head towards the nearest field or something like that. That's, I'm, on, I'm only going by movies, okay, on that one. You want to go for an open field where, in case you do crash land, nothing gets destroyed, nobody gets hurt. Say they went to try to go land. They were not expecting all these damn kids to come running out there, oh my god, UFO, ah, run towards it. Get underneath of it. Shit, we can't land. There's a damn girl under there. <laughs> she you know? passed out. She just, she's not getting up. She's passed out. <laughs> yeah, then they see Sean over there watching, not noticing the girl on the ground passed out, if there was one. You know, that's when they decide, like, oh shit, we got to take off again, go somewhere else. So that's when it just turned and took off, and the plane, military planes followed behind it to make sure it didn't go out of control. I like that. Well, I would love to hear other people's opinion or their theories on this Westall UFO incident. Send us emails with your opinions and theories. You can send it to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, or Dan, D-A-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. We'd love to hear your opinions on the matter. We know we got some Aussie folks listening. Yes, we do. But with that being said, do you have anything else that you would like to add to today's episode, Dan? I do not. All right, well, that is the end of the Westall UFO incident episode. Now we are going to move to our on the scene. 
Now, if you don't know what our on the scene is, it is where an individual goes and interviews a random person, themselves, a family member, whomever, and gets their personal opinions and theories on current conspiracy happenings around the world. Now, anyone could do this, including you. Yes, you, the person listening right now. All you got to do is get your phone, hit record, record the audio, make sure it's less than two minutes long, make sure there is no music in the background, and then you can take that audio and email it to us, either to Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or Dan, D-A-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and we will put it in line to play at the end of the show each week. All right, so for this week's On the Scene, we have Melanie, and we're going to play that one right now. This is Melanie and John for On the Scene. John, do you believe in Bigfoot? Absolutely. What do you think Bigfoot is? I mean Bigfoot, you know. Just a cryptid? A ape, yeah. You don't think it's interdimensional? Absolutely or not. Government project no, gone no, wrong? No, 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 no. Do you no. think Bigfoot's gentle or, or scary? I think it could go either way. It's like most people. Do you think Bigfoot should run for president in 2024? I'd vote for him. Hell yeah, brother. All right. Do you believe, do you believe in Mothman? I, I'd like to. No, but I, I I want to. What do you think Mothman was? You know, you hear a lot of talks about like big birds and cranes and possibly owls, and uh, unfortunately, that sounds about right to me. Do you think the UFOs and the uh, Smiling Man are connected to Mothman? Uh, I just think you know this part of the world is. Kind of special in that aspect where, you know, you, a lot of things can happen in the Ohio Valley and the, the Appalachian area. It's a weird little place. And do you think Grassman and Bigfoot are the same or different? Same. Same. I'd like to think they're different, but, but same. All right. Well, there you have it, Danielson and Aaron. We love you and we're proud of you. Nice. Thank you, Melanie and John. Uh, I have to ask, though. What the hell is Grassman? I'm going to assume it's another name for a Bigfoot-type creature. Just like uh, in Norton, Virginia, Bigfoot is called a wood booger. Okay. The Grassman is a tall hominid that stalks the woods of Ohio, hence the name the Ohio Grassman. It is reportedly very similar to Bigfoot, but it is much more aggressive than any other Sasquatch species. The Grassman gets its name from a small hut-like living structure or nests that it builds out of tall grass. Pretty much looks exactly like Sasquatch, except it has like a lion's mane. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, the first prominent sighting of Grassman occurred in Minerva, Ohio in August of 1978. Some uh, grandchildren of residents Evelyn and Hal Clayton, you know, the grandchildren were outside playing and they ran inside screaming about a hairy monster that they saw in the gravel pits. A big, hairy, naked monster. <laughs> it was just a naked man. He's like, I need some toilet paper, kids. No. Damn. But uh, it was supposedly covered in dark mattered hair, sitting in the pit and fiddling with, its, oh, with discarded trash. It's estimated to be around 300 pounds. Since then, there have been multiple other cases of this hairy hominid. They say how tall it was? Heights 5 to 10 feet tall, generally 6 to 7 foot. Could be a very tall homeless man. 3 to 1,000 pounds. 3? Like, 
just three? 300 to 1,000 pounds. Oh, I'm like, bed. three? Like, that's a sm- very skinny guy. Yeah. Dang. But, uh, hmm. I mean, from what I hear of Ohio, I would probably be an aggressive Bigfoot as well. Yeah. Ohio's turning into the new Florida. It is. Kind of, kind of funny. That train wrecks <laughs> turn everybody crazy. Don't drink the water. <laughs> yeah, don't drink it. Supposedly you can catch that shit on fire. Really? Yeah. That's what I was seeing on TikTok. But then again, that's TikTok. So you got to, you know, take it with a grain of salt. True. Yeah. Anyways, again, thank you, Melanie and John, for the on the scene. I love it. Loved it. Bigfoot 2024. Damn right. Uh, so do you have anything that you want to say or talk about before we roll this episode out, Dan? Uh, not, not right off. All right. I want to thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing, every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.